Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. Thrill me. The following episode will contain blood and guts and may make you shit yourself. Hi, sweetie. Hi, Igor. Shut up. Damn thing bit me. Slug bite someone. I don't know, but he's living in your garden. Quick, go get a jar or something with a lid on it. Hurry up, quick. What I mean is, can you be scary? Oh, oh, hey, no, they're asking me. Can I be scary? What do you think of this? You like it? He's infected. Contagious. He'll spread and cry through this place. This Halloween season will present two specially curated four film marathons to keep you lashed firmly to your sofa. Latu! Marada! <laughs> oh, I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. Bad news. They're dead. From murderous slime and brain-invading space slugs to motor-mouthed bio-exorcists and demonically horny cartoon ducks, join us for Halla Rewind 2023. Stop staring at me! Yeah, Miss Suzanne, your makeup is fine. Come on, what are you worried about? Ah! Jeez! Christ! Stop looking at me! Hello and welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. Now maybe, just maybe, we're dealing with a mutant form of slug here. That kind that eats meat. It's Devlin in London. It's Count Dingleberry, the flaming asshole of Transylvania. Not really, it's Matt in South Korea. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> got you. And welcome. You did. <laughs> I'm got already. Uh, welcome back, uh, Matt. Uh, just the two of us. Thank you. Yeah, only two today. A duology. It can mean only one thing. It's the spookiest season of all. The most wonderful time of the year. And we're back with another marathon because we're uh, gotten to punishment. Yeah, we're we're slightly shorter this year. We're, we've gone for um, in, instead of a twenty-four hour one that we usually <laughs> do, which is mad. Um, you sensibly suggested that we uh, condense something down to four. So we've got four films each today to bring you. Um, this was almost your brainchild, which was sort of in, inflicted upon me, but I, I very joy, <laughs> joyfully. But um, I think we, we chatted about doing another thing, and um, yeah, th- th- this is uh, th- this is slightly different. Do you want to tell the listeners what how how it's slightly different? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I know you're a big fan of a, a double bill, and I remember that for a while we were kicking around an idea that we were going to do double double bills, aka I'm seeing double here. Four yeah, crusties. Four crusties. <laughs> um, so this felt like a like a really good way of um, just filling out a Halloween night without overburdening people. And but four films between two people isn't a lot to pick. Mm. So that's where the idea of uh, a, a bit of a a bit of a ding dong, a fracas, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, the, I tried to break these down. The rewind movie melee. 
mm-hmm. uh, the great big Hella Rewind Ding Dong. We didn't really come up with the final one, did we? We're, no. we're at the moment, we're Hella Rewind 23. Uh, yeah. So maybe uh, check out the blog and maybe we'll come up with a definitive one and maybe not. But uh, the, the the four films that you've mentioned, the other thing, the wise thing that you did early on was to uh, designate times for each. Mm. So you suggested 6 p.m., 8 p.m., 10 p.m. and a midnight screening, which helped inform some of my picks. Yeah. But, um, also, uh, themes appeared to come out of the ether. Yeah, we've we've always I I believe if we go back to it must have been 2021 I think that was the 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 hefty bad boy where we um we curated an entire week of mm-hmm. lead up that's right and then we did two full days and we alternated double bills between us it was two mm-hmm. uh, two film blocks for four hours right um but those little two hour blocks had little mini themes to them one was mm-hmm. that we both had a haunted house theme yeah i think i had one about programmed for murder so That's uh, right. i thought well let's uh let's have a, a loose theme for all four features where there's a reason why all four of them would be watched in one night mm-hmm. and there were some sub categories which i thought might be might just help us kind of vary the films a little bit so yeah. there was an idea of something was going to be very entertaining that's right uh, something was going to be funny, and I, I think the idea was to differentiate those just a little. There's obviously yeah. an awful lot of um, uh, uh, crossover between these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was going to be disgusting, and one was going to be legitimately kind of disturbing. Yeah, unsettling was the word. Unsettling. But it, it, we, we've we sort of switched that one around a little because I, I couldn't really none of my picks were really unsettling no. unless it i mean it's in the eye of the beholder really i think my final pick could be argued as being unsettling but um it, it, that tend to evoke more serious picks which i found very mm. difficult yeah um so i think you uh, we, we sort of said uh shocking or scary i think uh could, yeah. could have been the alternative of that something that's going to get a legitimate rise out of you yeah. In one way or another, which, because um, you're right, like uh, something genuinely unsettling to me, it can be quite antithetical to the spirit of a lot. Yeah, of we don't Halloween... want to upset people yeah. too much anyway. <laughs> these Halloween kind of features tend to be, they tend to fall more on the fun side, I think, mm. or at least the ones that I like tend to. Um, yeah. And we had hoped to put in uh, at least one uh, new discovery. Right. That was very important. Just to keep it interesting for ourselves more than anything else. Yeah, I ended up with two. So I surprised Excellent. myself with that because I'm quite, I'm more in line with Galley and pe- perhaps Patrick too that I'm sli- have slightly more commercial tastes. Uh, okay. One of yours I'd never heard of. And, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure you'd heard of all mine, but um, we'll, we'll get to which ones we've seen and which ones we yeah. we, we haven't. But um, yeah, to, to find a couple that were trashy new discoveries was really, really exciting. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. No, it's it's always good to bulk out the roster because you know after we've done quite a few of these things now, and you tend to exhaust all your all your go to picks. So. Well, that was a rule too for me. I've uh, my second pick today was actually a, a substitution because the one I really wanted, um, which would have allowed me a double subgenre box ticking of okay. all four, um, were, I'd already picked a previous year, so I decided to. Um, to, to substitute something and it's very similar to be honest but um we'll yeah get, we'll get well, i'm hoping that that people are understanding just how agonized we are when yeah. we're doing these picks these are mm. um we we really do tend to um 
go a little heavy on this stuff. Well, I, I love making musical playlists, and even that can be difficult in itself, but finding films with fluctuating tones that actually go together like a meal or something like courses in a, in, mm. in a meal is extremely difficult and and often you want something to work but you know in your in your heart that it's yeah it's just not gonna fly gotta, and of course this fantasy audience i don't know if anyone's really gonna <laughs> tune into all four of these in a row but if you do please write in and we'll send you a sticker or something extremely cheap. yeah yeah totally anyone who actually gets through one of these four film marathons do let us know yeah you should be rewarded keep your receipts because you will need to prove it so in terms of the themes we've gone for um mine kind of kicked around a little i usually lean more towards kind of ghostly or uh ethereal kind of films for halloween i feel like it's more suited to the season i like you know dry ice and and yeah. mystery and 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 atmosphere but um I struggled to come up with four in a row that I thought would actually still maintain a sense of fun. And I felt this year more than anything else, I wanted it to be fun. So my first pick kind of informed my theme. It was initially going to be Slugs and Bugs, which I I did my best, but I couldn't find enough bug pictures that I loved. I think Matinee was mentioned, but it's only a chapter of that. Is It's only a part of yeah, that. Yeah, it, it felt too tenuous because it's just about Mant, mm. uh, a, man, a man who's an ant. Or an ant-sized man. I don't remember. It's been a while. What we ended up with was slugs, sludge, and slime. An evening I'm calling gloop. Very good. Beautiful alliteration too. Why gloop? I mean, what could be more sinister than Gwyneth Paltrow's psychotic blend of extreme (laughs) conspicuous consumption and new age shithousery? Vagina smelling candles. Is (laughs) that what it is? It's the most gullible millionaires you'll ever meet. (laughs) No, there was just this visceral repulsion for slime. And uh, it's kind of the opposite of that vaporous discomfort of the ghostly films. But I think even when you're a kid, there's like the attraction repulsion to just Mm. just sludge and slime and gloop. And like 80% of kids' TV seems to be centered around gunk tanks in the 90s. Would would you like a a slug anecdote very quickly? I think I told it on on an earlier one and maybe Gally cut it and wisely so. But now we're in control. <laughs> no, uh, no Galley's still in control, folks. Uh, I I was playing Star Wars, and uh, my Darth Vader from a car boot sale only had one leg. And I remember vividly thinking that I'd found the missing limb. And uh-huh. I leant down and, and picked up a black slug from from my lawn. Oh, boy. And, I, and I've never forgotten that moment. So there you go. There's a slug slug anecdote for you <laughs> that is totally what i'm going for here yeah that yes there is just something just, just slugs sludge slime yeah. glue icky it's 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 just viscerally unpleasant so right. um so that's my theme uh cool and and yours yours is well yeah mine uh began with something that i was trying to do a rock and roll 80s thing Okay, cool. Uh, and and I watched Trick or Treat from 1986, not the not nice. the more recent one. I know you're actually a, quite a fan of at Halloween. Mm, the, uh, yeah, um, but I couldn't find enough rock and roll horrors that I really wanted to do. There's another one called Black Roses that was uh, a bit too cheap, and it was one of those examples of something that you wanted to work, but it, it didn't quite come together. Mm. Maybe I could have got a double bill out of it, but certainly not four that matched. Um, so in the end, I accidentally. Um, put four possession films together uh, and 
definitely accidentally they're, they're all sleazy demons <laughs> uh, or, or the sleazy possessed so i i've gone with uh, whatever possessed you is my title yep. so yeah i've got four films that, that that also would have been haunted house possessions but my second choice had to be just nudged so okay. um, so it's not too on the nose it's uh yeah technically possession films and i think even that could be argued but i i have this a feeling that these four go together quite quite nicely and it's quite doable as they get stupider as the night goes on and uh also shorter um apart from with one exception they actually get shorter as well which is cool that is that is good as you get drunker yes again much in the same way that you'll never forget the first time you accidentally put your hand on a slug there is something just innately brilliant and unsettling about someone else's voice coming through you or absolutely that loss of control and over yourself and uh, yeah fantastic and it also seems to lend itself to to slightly comedic pieces Mm. too so uh i mean i i could have picked the exorcist spoiler alert i haven't because yeah uh, whether that fits into our idea of of halloween is uh, that's one of the examples i go to actually i I could watch it at halloween quite easily but if Mm. you're having a party i don't think you know a group of people are going to have a nice drink along to to reagan and all of that um and and also films like the texas chainsaw massacre we've described as being fantastic horrors Mm. but are they halloween appropriate with any luck by the way we're going to try and put a a horror october of the best of Halle Rewind, all the tricks and treats. Uh, if we can get 31 between the two of us, we'll, uh, we'll do that as our 31 recommendations this time of, of year that we think you might enjoy. Uh, we'll probably link to that uh, on the blog, which uh, I'm going to get the plugs in up front. If you head over to rewindmoviecast.com, today's episode uh, will be there with an extended blog post by both of us. <clears throat> There's going to be a lot more information about each of the films that we're picking. Uh, we've both created posters for our four pieces. Um, we've both made some artwork. We have. Those are uploaded on the blog. Uh, those are going to be set up on our Tmall store as well. You can go and buy uh, A3 poster prints of our uh, exclusive Halle Rewind 2023 artwork. There may also be some shirts and totes. TBC. Right. <laughs> but yeah, head across to rewindmoviecast.com because you'll find a lot more information about all of these films. Uh, there's going to be a video playlist as ever, I believe. There are certainly a whole yes. bunch of trailers and, and video links in there. Everything that we can find really that's, that accompanies the uh, each of our four picks will all be in that uh, video playlist. Yeah. And there's, there's all sorts on there, trailers and funny GIFs or GIFs. <laughs> and yeah, have a read. So we kick off at 6 p.m. Yeah, you are you are first. You're, you're a 6 p.m. pick. So we're going to start off at 6 p.m. for my evening of gloop with Fred Decker's Night of the Creeps. Yay. The night of the fall is finally here for Chris, Cindy, and JC. It's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps from a world unknown comes a nightmare unimagined first they are under you around you on you then inside you they get into your mouth and you walk around while they incubate even if you're dead 
They are unusual terror. They are a different kind of horror. Zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies. We could have a little problem. The creeps are taking over. I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. You have never had a night like this. Night of the Creeps. If you scream, you're dead. So I was pretty late to this one, and I don't think I need to bore you of all people anymore with my intense love of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch and by extension, <laughs> its curmudgeonly star Tom Atkins. He remains one of only two autographs I've ever paid for at a comic convention. In fact, I only went to the comic convention because he was there, and right. he's an utterly lovely man, and he sang um the silver shamrock jingle to me because oh, i was wearing guy. a halloween three shirt but even when i met the guy i'd still never seen this film shockingly so i went out and bought myself the blu-ray a couple of years back um i have some reservations on fred decker I, I, we covered the monster squad on the podcast a, a while back and i was i enjoyed it well enough i think i was probably i came to it too late i should have mm-hmm. seen it as a impressionable kid and robocop 3 sucks it's fucking awful oh, so that's him that he's the responsible yeah. for the jetpack is he he is um but it turns out i was just i was very wrong um the tone of night of the creeps is just perfect like the opening of the film is this total pinball machine we start following these gross little aliens guys in the rubber suits with these big wobbly asses they look a bit like station from bill and ted (laughs) and they go running around this really tacky spaceship set and one of them ejects a canister down to late 50s black and white americana all these dropped-up muscle cars and preppy students on this college campus heading out to the local makeup spot for some necking. <laughs> and two of them are interrupted. The, cal- the, the canister crash lands near them in the woods. And the jock guy decides he has to go and investigate. But there's also an axe-wielding maniac on the loose from the local mental hospital. Okay. So he's approaching the woman. The guy is investigating the canister. It looks like we're going to have two potential plots kick off. And then suddenly we're just thrown forwards in time 30 years to this very neon 80s college campus same campus we meet two young nerds suffering through fraternity pledge week mm-hmm. there's a, a a wingman called jc which is short for james carpenter hooper uh-huh the first of many uh... chris romero mm-hmm. which is yeah every character literally every character is named after a major horror director which is the sort of thing that i could potentially find insufferable but in, isn't there a cronenberg in, in there too the Somewhere? the 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 love interest is cynthia cronenberg right um and there's just this kind of lovable authenticity i think and joy with the way that deck is playing with his influences like cherry picking elements from 50s atomic age sci-fi and intergalactic monster rubber suit stuff and then these space slugs break out of this canister 30 years later and there are George Romero-esque zombies when they start infecting people's brains. There's hard-boiled detective fiction in the way that Tom Atkins plays Detective Ray Cameron. He yeah. is dragged in to investigate. He's Catchphrase, you want to do it? Oh, thrill me. Every time he walks up and he looks at a corpse and says, thrill me. And, and every time he picks up the a, phone? <laughs> yeah. He's wearing like a, like a tiki shirt and a Colombo Macintosh mm-hmm. and pajama trousers at times. And he's drunk and he wants to kill himself. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> one point where uh, Chris comes to comes to his house and he's just got the oven open and the gas on. <laughs> he's an un- unlikely protagonist, isn't he? Yeah. Um, there's flamethrowers, Nazi frat douchebags, canine and feline zombie puppets, resurrected axe-murdering mummies. And the first appearance of someone who's very special, um, Dick Miller. There is. Dick Miller pops up as a, as a, a, a cop in the evidence locker. It's, oh no, he's a, he's the armaments guy. Um. Right. And, That's the flamethrower uh, part, uh, if I remember. He, he, yeah, he really is the patron saint of of the halloween marathons oh yeah well he's going to pop up later too and uh, you know could these films be in the same universe who knows could this could be our crossover the it kind of hangs on like a geeks versus jocks campus comedy framework for a while mm-hmm. and it's it's just such a joyful mashup of all these genres and they're all taken not seriously but they're all done well they're all played with and it's it's silly but it's not disposable how does this one deal with the tone as far as um something fun and humorous mm. uh versus something gruesome and and gloopy leans far more into the entertaining part of the the event i i usually try and start off these marathons with something quite light this is mm. the lightest thing that i think i've picked although it is still pretty solidly gross it delivers in those areas it does the the space logs are very funny the way they zip around on on uh, on fishing line mm-hmm. um but there's some there's some nice stop motion of them in a the basement there's this big horrible stop motion uh, uh mass of slugs at one point and, oh that's that's uh, great because there's more stop motion to come as well i'm totally in love with with stop motion animation and uh, yeah i think it's it's a lost art isn't it that we don't really that there's not really much reason for people to use it too much i know there's there's mad god which could be the peak of it um, yeah but that's Phil Tippett, and he's, you know, bless him, he's he's on his way out, and uh, the, the new generation are not going to necessarily pick it up and run with it, are they? And and I guess there was something about guys doing this out of necessity rather than out of pure nostalgia that means that um, it doesn't feel gimmicky. Mm. And I think that that's possibly what gets lost later is that, you know, use, using practical makeup effects and them looking kind of shoddy but charmingly so. Um, mm. you do it after you've got what you could argue are more viable tools to do the same thing. It means you are doing it for indulgent reasons, and there's nothing wrong with that, but most of my picks for Halloween tend to be pulled from this era. Right. And this is just one of many great Night of the Movies in the <laughs> it 80s. Is, yeah. I've, I've picked Night of the Comet for a previous uh, uh, marathon at one point. Yeah. Well, this, this was actually... Uh part of the our may of the dead too oh it was i think so but it's, oh my it's, gosh i've completely it's, it's forgotten about that technically on some level it's a zombie film i guess then it's, it's it an is, undead yeah. uh, reanimation the the presentation of the of those who have been taken over by the brain slugs is mm. is purely uh it's, it's a it's a romero zombie it's the shambling romero zombie yeah um so yeah, the uh, uh, the whole thing culminates in this glorious kind of sorority house being beset by these <laughs> undead, slug-possessed jock douchebags trying to break in. Our lead actor, uh, or our lead character rather, is kind of a bit of a sulking proto-incel who seems to believe that he deserves the much hotter woman, which uh, okay. could get annoying. <laughs> 
but also i don't know because of how much we're playing in like genre waters here it feels actually massively appropriate because that mm. is that's that's the archetype for this character and his sidekick jc is one of the least objectionable 80s sidekicks I so guess. that helps the, the duo it, it's uh, yeah it, they, they work as a partnership yeah it's really fun it's it's a nice buddy movie it's mm. uh it's 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 just it's just thoroughly charming fantastic well yeah i'm sold speaking of something entertaining uh what do you have at 6 p.m well i thought you know before you send the kids to bed because we're all getting on some people out there actually have kids now yeah uh i i suppose they could watch my 8 p.m too but certainly my 6 p.m uh uh this is also the designated Halloween film this year in our expat foreigner community here in, in okay. South Korea. And uh, if I can get it finished in time, artwork-wise, I'm going to put a drinking game in as well for this one. Uh, so head to the blog for that. So my 6 p.m. pick is Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. From the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Adam and Barbara are... Ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah! You don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. <laughs> but the fun has just begun. It's showtime. Learn to throw your voice, boy, your friends, fun and party. Not bad. This is amazing. Want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, here I come, baby. He's guaranteed to put some life... Attention, keyboard shoppers. ...in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Um, th this one was one I've had in the back pocket for a while, but it it never quite fit into a double bill that i had in mind or anything like mm -hmm. that so this one's been on the back burner for a while so this was actually my starting point this year i knew i wanted to include this one it's it's a film probably everyone's seen but um revisiting it this time of the year is uh, a great experience uh, like tonally this is for me perfection for like a halloween hangout party uh and it 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 nails that sort of um the adams family was in my mind for a while and something like um a little shop of horrors was in my mind for a while because I, I was really trying to go lighter and, and more entertaining um but i just found that this one had just enough of a darker edge to to take it um to, to, make, to make it more appropriate than than some of those other slightly campier picks but mm. I, I think that this one has, you know, a lot of camp uh, humor and uh, uh, a lot of singing and dancing and <laughs> uh, and and things. But this one has a slightly edgier, uh, more off kilter vibe than some of the alternate uh, family Halloween picks that I could have uh, could have gone for. Um, and it also set the tone in terms of like an eighties, nineties 
late late eighties, early nineties um, theme that I'm going to continue. Mm. Um, so, uh, how how familiar are you with this one? I imagine you've seen it. I I do. I I really I really love Beetlejuice. I think it's a it's a film that I come back to just just a lot. This mm. is almost a comfort watch. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I guess what's what's really great about it is that when you sit and watch it, because it's something that most of us are quite familiar with, but it does t- tend to be a film that has these little pockets of enjoyment, of little bits that you don't quite remember because it doesn't mm-hmm. move in a particularly linear fashion at all times. It kind of there are there are little tangents which yeah. are really adorable, and really memorable, and and you say, oh, it's this bit. It's one of those films yeah. where you, you, you're picking those things out. But then there are also really disturbing images that have stayed with me. The one that's already just listening to you there that, that leapt out was the the aged. Gina Davis in yeah. her um, wedding gown, mm. all crumbly, and yeah. uh, I think I saw that very, very young. And uh, yeah, th- and th- this idea of uh, this couple who sort of retreated to this house, and uh, I guess they're newlyweds, but I'm not not too sure how they, how much we find out about when they actually got married. Mm. But uh, they find themselves taking a tumble off a bridge and presumably drowning in a river, and uh, Un- unknowingly they've actually died and they are uh th- their house begins to be uh, re repopulated by these pretentious artists and they can't really do anything mm. to to prevent what's happening because they're trying to negotiate this bureaucratic afterlife and yeah. there's all this weird red tape that you have to, you have to <laughs> sit in waiting rooms and peculiar stuff and you're attacked by sandworms and uh, this is before we've even met the the um, the, the title character of Beetlejuice, mm. but um, it's just really memorable, and uh, it's uh, an early role for Winona Ryder, who I think was only fifteen when she did this right. one. Okay. Um, unfortunately, you've got the pedo principal from uh, Ferris Bueller, who does, you know, let the side down a little, and then there's also Alec Baldwin, which coloured this watch in a in a slightly darker way as well but um there's so much to enjoy i think the the humor is really important because i I feel like i've been trained in the humor of tim burton through batman and peewee herman and i just i get that kind of oddball thing uh like many of my picks it feels like a a bit of a joke that i'm i feel like i'm in on which is quite nice and uh to continue the synopsis there they they have to um discover ways to scare away the the uh the new tenants and um yeah and and beetlejuice uh played by brilliantly by michael keaton is uh introduced i don't know how far in it's it's kind of it kind of looms over the film until you actually see him yeah. i remember when i was younger i used to wait to to see him and sort of value every word that he said mm. and every scene that he was in it was used so sparingly and um yeah he's a bio exorcist and he he uh, the deal is if you say his name three times uh, he'll appear and uh, help you get rid of the vermin in terms of you know, <laughs> the people you help don't you want. Sweep, sweep out some yuppies. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting uh, cameos from the exec producers, Dick Cavett and Robert Goulet. Uh, Robert Goulet. <laughs> Goulet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, Catherine O'Hara, who we, we praised on our Home Alone pod, is, is brilliant here. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure if she's it really insane or just insanely talented i still haven't figured that one out 
Um, all the Beetlejuice stuff is incredible. Um, uh, and also because I used to watch a, a heavily edited version on ITV. It's great to okay. see the bit where he says, nice fucking model and honks yeah. himself, which is always uh, you know, <laughs> always cut on ITV. That's the um, that's one of the joys for me is the production design on it is so tactile and glorious and yeah, yeah Beetlejuice's uh, um, occupation of the scale model with the big fiberglass plastic grass everywhere is yeah. Is just... Do you remember the early opening shot? I think where there's it's a title sequence and we end up on uh, the model of a house and a tarantula yeah. crawls over the top of the yeah. house and it's sort of this illusion of. Uh, you know, um, when does the model become reality? It's, it's very yeah. brilliantly done. There's also another interesting thing with music. They use ha- Harry Belafonte calypso tunes, mm. uh, much like in Harold and Maud, um, which I'd love to discuss eventually on the pod. I know you like that one too. Yes. Uh, they scatter Cat Stevens songs mm. throughout, and, and it's a, a brilliant way of using an artist and, and a very specific kind of music to um, to make these inseparable scenes now. So when when uh, Winona as as Lydia is uh, levitating at the end and it's jump in the line, shake yeah. Senora, um, that's become a Halloween song. That's on my Halloween playlist, even though it's just it's the Calypso song. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. connotation now is is possession and levitation and Tim Burton. Um, uh, there's a Danny Elfman score, which is always worth tuning in for. Um, characters, I'll just run through some of these characters that I I jotted down. A suicidal Miss Argentina receptionist uh a charred literally smoking marlboro reds <laughs> shaky man uh a runover flat man who's sort of on like a <laughs> coat hanger and he goes through like gaps in the walls uh a little preacher with an alien head skeleton office workers the first of many skeletons in my picks yeah. a shrunken headed chap a blue lady with separate legs and torso unforgettable uh, a three-fingered typist a dumb dead football player <laughs> And a very dumb dead football player. <laughs> yeah, that's the credits there. So it's it's very oh. kooky, very kitschy. I don't think um, we survived that crash, coach. <laughs> uh, caveats: you've got a bit of shoddy green screen, but I agree with you. It's the the production design and the the direction of Burton is just. It's one of those ones. It's just um, it's it's a go to for me. Unforgettable yeah. stuff. It's a rewatchable that really does deserve as many watches as you can fit in i think so i don't think you'll ever tire of it right right agreed so uh that that takes well mine's about 92 minutes i don't know how long um how long is night of the creeps about 90 minutes night of the creeps is i believe 88 oh wow so in in your uh in the space there you can uh, order a pizza or something and then after that we're gonna move on to your 8 p.m pick what did you go for for your 8 p.m uh, so we've gone from something that I think is very entertaining. I, I use the 8 p.m. slot to go with something that I think is probably the funniest film I'm going to pick. Um, <laughs> that is <laughs> Slugs, colon, <laughs> of course it is. the movie. It all began in a peaceful community, a place that had never known evil. Until now. About 20 years ago, in the stillness beneath these waters, something happened. And now, its deadly spawn has been released. Coming up from the depths, out into the light. 
slugs. First, they got into the water system. Now, they'll get into your system. Oh, my God! They ooze. There's something down there that's killing people. They slime. We got a new dead body showing up every ten minutes. They kill. We're dealing with a mutant form of slug here, a kind that eats meat. It has three or four rows of teeth. Don't turn on the tap. Don't go in the basement. No, get out of it! Steer clear of the sewers. And whatever you do, don't make out while your parents aren't home. Slugs. It may be the most shocking movie you will ever see. Slugs. <laughs> is that di- differentiating it from another slugs or a slugs tv show i believe they had to call it slugs the movie because it is bafflingly adapted from a novel oh wow um, which is just the most garth merengue-esque idea uh, the more you <laughs> read about like the sort of paperback horror market of the 1980s the more you realize that garth merengue is largely a documentary aren't we to blame here isn't it a british book too it is a British book. Oh, no. um, however, being adapted by a Spanish director by the name of Juan Piquer Simon. Now, he, back in the early 80s, directed a movie that I know you're a big fan of. Pieces. 82? 1982 yeah. Pieces. Yeah, that's yes. the one that Eli Roth bangs on about constantly. How good could it be? I finally put it on, and it is incredible. It's one of my favorite slasher films now. The the dubbing in itself is hilarious. <laughs> The lines that come out of uh, the, the this thing is incredible. So yeah, I would recommend pieces, and I have done on a previous Hella Rewind. So yeah. this is a this would be my second entry into his filmography. This is um, going to be your second J.P. Simon, right? Um, so six years later, he adapts this British novel about slugs that kill people. Um, okay, he's he's filming it between small town New York State. I believe the hometown of his translator slash assistant and Madrid, where he is based. The cast is this weird mixture of flailing journeyman Americans. The lead was a background thug in the Warriors like nine years before this and has no further credits in the interim. Okay. Uh, And his co-lead doesn't even have that level of claim to fame. Uh, And Spanish actors who, as you pointed out, their performances are ostentatiously dubbed. Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost, um, it's a, you'd be let down if they weren't, if you know this director's yeah. work. It's uh, <laughs> incredible stuff that comes to things that you could never even imagine. I mean, I, I was watching some Mark Jenkins stuff recently, and I know it's not exactly the same thing, but you know, mm-hmm. there's no sync sound on those movies, okay, on, yeah. on his Bolex movies. Yes. So you get this peculiar thing where, I, I know mm-hmm. ADR happens in every movie, but not 100% of the the yeah. thing is dubbed and something really incredible happens when when you you're mixing your languages too um the 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 kind of ad-libs and adr that, yeah. that emerges is really something to look out for the dub here has um obviously the the spanish actors are all speaking mostly speaking english certainly the ones that have uh, more prominent roles mm-hmm. and their dubbing artists are really working overtime because they are matching the mouth movements but yeah. what that means is that they're matching the mouth movements of somebody speaking english as a second language okay but with uh th- there's a, a high school scientist so our, our, our two leads 
our uh, health inspector who looks like Truman's buddy with the brewskis mm-hmm. and a sanitation expert who looks like a spitting image puppet, uh, puppet of an Osmond. <laughs> <laughs> and, which, I won't ask which Osmond. Could be him. They, uh, an amalgam. Um, oh, okay, amalgam. okay. Um, and they uh, uh, discover that the sewers are full of man-eating slugs. They discover this very slowly. Mm-hmm. And then they basically have to careen slowly around town in a succession of boxy little cars talking to yet another stand-in for the mayor from jaws <laughs> oh wow so we have a jaws structure we we have a jaws structure in in every possible respect here um more egregious rather, than arachnophobia or about on the same same level? uh the, a little more egregious um for one thing uh, uh our our puppety osmond <laughs> Teddy says, Rickson, uh, we'll call him almost literally pulls the um want to get drunk and fool around line oh wow um <laughs> when he's on his when he's on his way off uh to go and uh eradicate some slugs he says to his wife when i get back you want to take our clothes off and get crazy <laughs> or something <laughs> and of course it's very unconvincing um, yeah the, the chief did it better Yes. Yeah. Surprisingly, Roy Scheider pulled it off better than <laughs> insert name of actor here. Um, and they uh, they go to a high school scientist to help them work out a plan to deal with this thing. And the high school scientist is an ostentatiously British man, but dubbed over a Spanish actor. <laughs> so his line readings, uh, he is chewing every syllable. <laughs> it's marvelous. Um, and it's just the strangest combination of like technical competence and totally baffling stupidity um the the film is really full of real slugs so the title is not a lie it is a very slugful film and they're the same Um, size so they're not like overgrown things they're the same size as a typical slug they um the characters refer to them as being giant and they are pretty big okay um but the scale of them is not always very consistent uh, but there are almost at all times real slugs slopping around and uh, i'm afraid for any kind of uh, animal rights advocates out there if your empathy extends to slugs i would not watch this film no. <laughs> there is some real slug mashing <laughs> at one point oh dear a woman twats about half a dozen of them with a frying pan in a sink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> would you like slug anecdote number two? Uh, this one's not actually from me. This one's from uh, Carl Pilkington, who found his home <laughs> o- overrun by slugs at one point, and particularly a shower. And I think Gervais and Merchant uh, suggested that he get he got that uh, magnetic tape that you put down, that when they creep over it, they get a slight electrical oh, jolt. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if this yeah. ever does happen, I'm not saying it would it would work on these particular not alien slugs. These they're they're, they're bio. They they are. Um, so it turns out that there is a runoff from a chemical dump on the okay. edge of town, and they've been sucking on these chemicals for radioactive, 20 years. potentially radioactive. Okay, I'm not saying that the magnetic strip would work on them, <laughs> but you you might want to stock up on some just in case. Just yeah. Yeah. A little bit of magnetic tape. Mm. Um so the, the the slugs they kind of their their presence is indicated by a kind of rattling sound on the soundtrack. <laughs> At the start of the credits there is a very um uh, grandiose 
title card that says that the score is performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. Now, that may well be true, but I think they were being paid by the minute because (laughs) I believe we have two cues, one of which sounds like an overdramatic entrance to the nine o'clock news. (laughs) (laughs) Which is saying something because it's already pretty... Yeah. Uh, and, And that accompanies everything. That accompanies all the scenes of driving around, the presence of the slugs um and so how much did that we... bother you because i've got one of these that my final pick today has has a, a looping okay thing that really got on my nerves did, did it yeah. did it bother you uh by the end of it i was thrilled every time it, the film again is very short it's very short and every time it turns up the the more they start to use it the more desperate it sounds you don't realize it's happening until about 45 or 50 minutes into the film but at mm. that point you're just kind of you're on the edge of your seat waiting for the same cue to come. Yeah. yeah. Um and eventually and what happens is that you'll hear this sound and then you'll maybe see one slug and then blink and you'll miss it. Your entire room is carpeted in slugs. Now there are two two set pieces. I I'm hesitant to call them set pieces, but <laughs> there there are two moments that I wanted to ask you about. There's one involving a greenhouse uh-huh. and uh, another involving uh, a kind of a, a post-coital coward who tries to escape from uh, from a slug the slug attack. Yes, those are two. I mean there's a lot of 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 pretty great sequences, but the my favorite thing about the greenhouse sequence is the uh, bust, uh, not bust. You know, Buster Keaton. I shouldn't evoke his name. <laughs> this is unfair. I, that's who's okay. The, I'm about to. I'm about to. Who's too. the worst slapstick guy? Who's the the real Frank shit Spencer? Dream? Okay, uh, yeah, Frank but Spencer. He, but he, was, he did his own stunts, it. though. This is kind of unfair, yeah. but yeah. Um, a, a guy in a greenhouse and his nagging wife, and he puts a glove on, and he gets bit by a man-eating slug, <laughs> which has teeth. And this, it does have yeah. teeth. They do have little <laughs> rubbery teeth. Um, and he goes running around his greenhouse, immediately, very, very, very quickly, decides to hack his own hand off. He okay. jumps straight to hand hacking. <laughs> um, misses. <laughs> How does he miss? I, it's, I, I, oh no, his wife comes in and interrupts him while he's hacking his own oh, hand off. Don't you hate it when that? When your wife distracts uh, and in in <laughs> and in the fracas, the melee yeah. that ensues, they knock over a petroleum can into a, a two bar fire, which we all know is a death trap. Mm-hmm. And that greenhouse has the most ground shaking pyro for a film that is this <laughs> cheap and shoddy. To have that much money for petroleum is glorious was it like when they... the who went on that tv show and they put too much tnt in the drums <laughs> <laughs> they almost killed everyone exactly like that mm. it, it is it's just it's tremendous to see that level of uh um the post coital cowardly window escape i will leave for the viewers <laughs> to discover i do not want to ruin that yeah that is again just so um it comes at such a weird right angle to the rest of the film. Um, quickly want to say that this was a discovery uh, about three years ago, early in lockdown, when we were all very, very, very bored. Galley put together uh, watch parties on a Thursday night where we would watch Amazon Prime and, and, and we would fire up uh, a selection of 
Well, this just, is a sore spot for me because I could never join them because I, it was yeah. the middle of the night for me. So I missed out on all these amazing uh, uh, low budget um, schlocky treats. And it, it was it was a shame you you weren't there. Um, it was this was this was a highlight. This is probably the one that that, that I took away from this. This was a, I believe a, a couple uh, who suggested this one. Uh, Guy and Becky. This was their pick. And I was just, I was so thrilled. So, um, <laughs> so Slugs is one of those few beautiful, so bad it's good discoveries that really lives up to everything you want from it and more. It's, uh, it doesn't flag. It's, it's always got another mental idea up its sleeve. If you mm-hmm. ever feel like it's, it's spinning its wheels a bit. Um, yeah. Please Did you say do. 80 minutes? 80 something minutes? I think this is around uh this is around 90. I would say okay. virtually all four of my films come in between 88 and 93 minutes. Oh. That's great. real sweet spot stuff here. These days um, for me that's uh that's one of the first things I look at if I'm honest. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah you you just want to you want something that you can uh, absorb uh, you know on an evening. But um yeah. we are putting four of them in a row, but it's a special special occasion, isn't it? exactly so yeah so that that's my 8 p.m Terrific. uh it's a a, a spanish american sluggy nightmare it's the centerpiece to my evening of gloop in many ways um, cool so yeah uh what have you got for us at 8 p.m uh this is uh an old friend of mine um that i knew at kirkstall brewery shout mm-hmm. out to the the leeds met massive uh, uh we, we spent a lot of time watching films on a on a small tv and uh, in a very hazy kitchen uh his favorite two films were we the hot in the sucker. <laughs> yeah well it was faulty we couldn't <laughs> take it back but the the, the hudsucker proxy and this film army of darkness uh aka evil dead 3 aka the medieval dead which i still maintain is a better title aka bruce campbell versus army of darkness which makes no sense because that's his actual name it's not even the name of the character <laughs> uh anyway uh this this one's a shout out to ras um who i believe you actually follow on instagram he's an artist oh yeah yeah i really like his work He's got an Etsy shop and he's, uh, I didn't even realize he was so talented. So uh, you can find him R-A-S-S-F-Z on Instagram and have a look at his uh, wonderful pictures. This was one of his favorites back in the day. In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. At a time of evil. When the world needed a hero. Just swallow us all. I don't want to die. What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped in the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. When thou misspoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. <laughs> now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> 
with the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Oh, that's gonna hurt! Director of Darkman. Comes army of darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of Darkness. I, I remember having a, a UK horror fantasy magazine. And I can't remember the title of it. It was like a Fangoria, but it, it wasn't. Okay. Um, and I've been trying to, to search it down on, on eBay and I can't find anything. Uh, so if anyone knows, please get in touch. Uh, and it had two main articles in it and it was hocus pocus with the chap with his his guy's mouth sewn shut and it was army of darkness with all these various uh deadite designs like the evil ash and I'll, I'll have been no older than maybe 10 and uh but i didn't actually see the film until years and years later around uh, uh andy willoughby's a level film class there it is again uh, and I got this bootleg version sent from America, which was an, actually an official release, but it was packaged in this fake, phony brown paper bag. Okay. But, but, it, but it was just a DVD box, but it looked like it was half peeling off. That was the design of it. And it was the, the longer version. I've actually gone for the theatrical um, version today. Uh, there's a couple of things I object to in the longer version. Um, most notably the windmill sequence, which is... Uh, very Three Stooges, very slapstick, uh, where all of the mini ashes emerge from, uh, strangely, an image that actually pops up in in my next pick, too. It's a very peculiar thing. Uh, a mirror breaks into shards, and in okay, each of yeah. the shards, there there is a the character of Ash that, that comes alive. In my yeah. next pick, it's this beautifully framed uh, shot in a, in a film that... that you're not really expecting such a, a beautifully composed and blocked shot, but we'll get, we'll get to that. Um, here it, it becomes kind of uh, uh, obnoxious. <laughs> There's a lot of squeaking okay. and, and slapstick and pratfalls. Uh, and, and that's, it's okay in the theatrical, but I think it, it runs a little long. Also, also most notably the two, the endings of this film, are, are, they, they kind of diverge. Uh, in in the theatrical, which we, and we'll say something about spoilers at the beginning, right? We've warned people, but um, yeah, I think um, the, the ending of this one really leads into my next pick quite nicely. It really does feel like the the same universe. Um, in the uh, the the director's cut or the original version, the longer version of Army of Darkness, he uh, it's a Planet of the Apes ending where he accidentally, because Ash is an idiot, of course, he forgets <laughs> the, forgets the magic words, the the incantation. It awakens the army of the dead. And uh, also at the end of the film, he manages to get distracted and he gives himself too many drops of the of the old uh, <laughs> sleeping potion. And he sleeps too long and he um, ends up in a in a, uh, a post-apocalyptic London, I think, okay. um, with, with, a, with a wonky Big Ben. And everyone is, is he's 100 years too late, uh, we presume. But yeah, this is this is part three of the Evil Dead. Uh, series i would have picked evil dead 2 because that would have linked into both possession and haunted houses but this is the one i had to had to substitute last minute are, are you familiar with this one at all uh, i've seen this back at university and i loved it and for whatever reason 
I haven't gone back to it. And oh. I think that's a real shame. This is the ideal uh, uh, opportunity for me. I am definitely, I'm going to, uh, this is like swapping shirts at the end of a football <laughs> right. match. I am going to, I am going to take on your, your suggestions for my Halloween. Oh, cool. This year. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about um, where fantasy fits into this, because that was one thing that nagged at me. But I, I didn't know if I wanted to take it into a medieval setting or into into a fantasy setting some of this feels like lord of the rings there's an attack mm. on the castle that feels like a, a, a helm's deep you know it, it feels um uh, staged in such a way that it's almost like a robin hood prince of thieves too there's a couple right. of things a witch gets skewered on a on a yeah. spear uh there's a bit where uh he he cuts a rope and flies up a castle wall like uh like costner uh-huh. Um, so yeah, there's, there's all, there's, it's kind of a, a medieval fantasy element to this one. Does that, yeah. does that fit into your idea of horror? Is it ever acceptable to go fantasy? For me, I think so. I think it, it comes down more to tone than content in some, in some cases. And I think that historical horror or things that mix kind of historical period mm. trappings with I should horror, say I'm, Halloween appropriate rather than horror appropriate. Yeah. Sorry. I'm I'm coming right around on that kind of thing. I I feel mm. like um the more modern horror has to contend with so much on rushing modernity mm. that all these films that we're talking about that are made and set in the 80s now feel so so distant and so quaint. Yeah. It feels like we've kind of we've hypermediated to such an extent that by removing ourselves from that and and uh Sometimes it can be a bit of a cop out, but in this case, yeah. I just think that what uh, an underexploited era yeah. to mix in with comedic horror trappings to mm. kind of, uh, and I mean any any excuse to pay homage to Harryhausen. Oh well, well, this was actually a criticism. I don't know if I can find it, but um, our favourite Siskel and Ebert weren't keen on the, uh, the this idea of uh, covering. Uh, what had already been done in Jason and the Argonauts and this army of the mm-hmm. dead, but there's some stuff in there that is really incredible, and some some that's not so credible. You've got uh, in in some shots. I just got the 4K, and I've I've you, you could always see them, but now you can see them really clearly in some in some specific tracking shots that are designed to be very impressive. But you can just see actors or supporting right cast with a, a very basic kind of skeleton mask uh-huh. and you can see the flesh through it but then Give there are other times when there there are full full-on stop-motion sequences of skeletons pulling their skeleton friends out of graves mm. and then there's very practical um articulated um puppets too like my favorite one is the one that sort of sits up out of a coffin and starts coughing and you can oh, see yeah, the yeah. dust Skeletons yeah. can't cough, of course, but they, this, this, this was a bit. This was a bridge too far for Siskel and Ebert, but that's that's so stupid that I I love it. And the ADR of the talking skeletons, mm. if you you really pay attention to this mix, you'll hear some hilarious stuff, mostly from <laughs> Ivan Raimi, who plays uh, sorry Ted Raimi. Okay. Ivan Raimi co-wrote it with uh, Sam Raimi, uh, and and Ivan is now a doctor, and on the commentary mm. he refuses to say which uh, hospital he works at, which shows how proud he is of <laughs> this piece. Uh, and uh, Ted Raimi plays four four roles, I think, and a, there's a lot of ADR going on from from Ted. It's his best work since the uh, the prologue to Candyman, yeah, uh, where he sips on that beer. 
Um, or uh, Twin Peaks season two, <laughs> right? Where he gets put in a chess piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got um, yeah that final uh, castle raid at the end. I, I think it rivals some of the Lord of the Rings stuff, frankly. I mean, nice. it, it doesn't. It has the levity and the humor that because I, I end up with this battle fatigue. I think that's actually a Peter Jackson quote. Okay. Um, this idea of when you watch a film and you just sick of the battle, is it over yet? You know. Yeah. But um, I get that often. And army of death, uh, army of darkness with with the army of the dead attacking the castle is uh, it's pitched just right. Um, Dino De Laurentiis didn't think so. He, he thought there was too many exploding skeletons. That was one of his notes. <laughs> uh, he said, "Can we have? I think it was, can we have five exploding skeletons instead of eight? And then the, the, Sam Sam would say, "Oh." He won't remember his notes, you know, don't, don't worry about it. And then every time they showed it back to him, trying to get the running time down, uh, there was still eight exploding skeletons and it really upset him that no one was listening to his suggestions. <laughs> um, so, yeah, always listen to Dino De Laurentiis is one of the, the rules here. Uh, you've got some more Danny Elfman, but not very much. He only wrote one piece for this and it's called The March okay. of the Dead. Uh, and I think it doesn't quite bookend the film. It, it begins it, I think. And it, and it comes back a bit later. Um, it's uh, it's a bit of an oddity um, that that Dino De Laurentiis forked out eleven million in the first place to to produce a film with also with this really dislikable, contemptible coward in in the lead. All the best stuff I think is him being Bruce Campbell. You mentioned Buster Keaton, and I I would put him up there in something like Evil Dead Two. Here he's more like an Elvis Presley. He, he's super handsome. He's 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 in peak physical condition. He did all of all of I don't want to say all of his own stunts, but he's on the horse. He's doing all of the uh, uh, the swordsmanship, and he's he's terrific. And it's it's kind of the next step from flipping himself over and hitting himself with crockery and all all, right. all that stuff. I think he actually sh- there's enough potential here for him to be a, a bigger commercial star. But it's so strange that he's such a coward. And uh, there's a lot of stuff they cut out, like he was going to offer the children from the castle to the army of the dead, just so <laughs> that they would leave him alone, you know. And uh, they edited a lot of things out that made him too contemptible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing that a film like this got made with, with such a, a strangely uh, uh, coward in the lead role. Yeah. Um, there's Embeth Davids from Schindler's List, who's uh, um, a very lovely until she transforms into the evil Sheila. Um, we've got um, Chop Top, um, Bill Mosley from, uh, uh, which one is it? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and some of the uh, the Rob Zombie work. Uh, Ted Raimi's roles are Cowardly Warrior, Supportive Villager, S-Mark <laughs> Clerk, and Brave Fighter. <laughs> and he's, he's got some what, excellent what range cards. what range <laughs> cowardly um, and supportive yeah um i you, you can watch you've got time to watch either cut but i would personally go for the theatrical here it's uh clocks in at like 88 minutes or something like that and uh moves really quickly um the humors here the, the horror hags are here you've got a, a green goblin-esque deadite flying around carrying uh Embeth davids and uh, it looks just like the willem dafoe one you can see exactly where raimi's um spider-man influences came from yeah uh, it's brilliantly staged the camera work is incredible uh it's um i always forget which pope it's the, the matrix pope bill pope 
Oh, Bill Pope, yeah. Bill Pope shot it, and it looks incredible. And the new transfer yeah. uh, is is terrific. It's the best it's ever looked. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I hope I've pitched that all right. But it's a hard one to talk about. There's so much going on in that film, but um, yeah. And also, it's it's not really considered up there with the first two, and I I think it should be. It's it's true. I I think that Evil Dead Two gets quite rightly all the flowers, but. <laughs> it, it's my substitution but it's it's almost as good and and uh, as far as the fantasy and things maybe that's good because it it takes my picks somewhere else for one film yeah um at least into a different a different part of um, you know fictional history that was my 8 p.m we're, we're now at 10 p.m hopefully you've ordered a pizza or hopefully you you've uh, you're full of tricks and treats you've had a few drinks if you're that way inclined uh what's what's your uh where are we heading next for uh the 10 p.m pick well after the sluggy insanity that preceded it i felt like i had to one-up myself again in terms of just unbelievable a, a feature that you cannot quite believe exists <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, this is my new discovery. This is my 2023 discovery. I've been waiting. I, I'd heard about this film, sort of. Uh, I didn't know much about it, uh, uh, but I was missing a 10 p.m. film that was appropriately slimy. And I remembered this title, The Oily Maniac. Chiamaya 现在我是个鬼，是个杀人的魔鬼。你杀的都是坏人，你要杀我。我狂性一发，谁也阻止不了。So this is a uh, this is a, a feature from the Shaw Brothers Shaw Brothers Studio. Uh, post martial arts booms, so we're into late seventies. I believe it's nineteen seventy eight. Okay. Um, kung fu movies, uh, uh, martial arts movies, uh, losing their luster. The the leading light of the industry, Bruce Lee, has been dead several years at this point, I believe. Um, I can't remember when Bruce Lee died. Actually, oh, a couple of years before this, I would have thought. Mm. Uh, certainly by by seventy eight, he and and none of the pretenders to the crown were really taken over. The Shaw Brothers had a whole lot of material i, I only think well. of it in terms of the kung fu films i, I don't really know mm. i didn't know they did much beyond that to be honest so i think this is part of the efforts that they made to diversify the slate away from from what they had uh, um been known for up until this point and horror is for any enterprising exploitation chasing studio or filmmaker horror is always one of the best ways to go um so this is this is the grimiest film. Slugs is a little bit <laughs> dirty. Like it's made in 1988, but it feels like it could have been made five years before. It has this kind of dinge to it. Mm -hmm. This is sleazy in several ways. And I fucking loved it. 
Um, very briefly to tell you what happens in The Oily Maniac. Uh, <laughs> we meet a young lawyer who has mobility issues after contracting polio as a child. He meets a man he calls his uncle at his coconut oil plantation. We also very quickly find out he has a total crush on the guy's daughter. So we may be on the hook for cousin love right off the bat. Mm. I'm hoping it's a colloquial use of the term uncle. Yeah, well, in in Korea, it's thrown around a lot. Cousin brother, uh, things like okay. that. And, and it can. I'm still kind of baffled about whether it's a friend or a family member. So we might be okay. We might be all right. Uh, unfortunately, um, I'm going to have to refer to him as the uncle because that's <laughs> okay, what he gets referred okay. to. Him. So we get to the oil factory and the uncle goes nuts when some scumbag gangsters are threatening to take over his oil factory and they start menacing the girl. The uncle stabs one of the gangsters and is sentenced to death within the space of a single edit. The lawyer goes to visit him right before his execution. The old guy tells him he has to bequeath him a spell that will grant him the strength to protect the girl. Again, maybe his cousin. The spell is in Malay and is tattooed on his back. Luckily, the lawyer carries a pen and a large sheet of tracing paper with him in his briefcase at all times. So he's able to scribble it down right away before he's taken off to be hung. He heads back to his law firm the same day where his boss shouts at him for being late. Despite the fact that he tells him, I was just at an execution. Well, get your shit together and turn up on time. Yeah. Um, Priorities. So he goes, he goes straight home. He pulls out the sheet with the tattoo on it. And he digs this a large Waterworld, hole. by the way. Do you remember in Waterworld where they took yeah. the, off, off her back map? Same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Kevin Reynolds has been paying attention. <laughs> He's been watching the Oily Maniac. Yeah. He's been, <laughs> um, so he digs a, a hole in the cement floor of his small apartment, underneath which is a bubbling, uh, um, a bubbling crude oil pit. Okay. He chants. He sinks himself into it. And he emerges as an unholy union between the Swamp Thing and a burnt marshmallow version of Mr. Blobby. <laughs> He's a massive oil-covered brute who uh-huh. is accompanied wherever he goes by a budget ripoff of the Jaws score. Literally the two notes. They oh. just they, oh, just they didn't even it. do the fancy stuff. They just did the two nope. notes. Just stole it. Dun, 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 dun. And, and how effective ability... is that? Is that, that uh, <laughs> every time it comes up. It's hilarious. Much as the nine o'clock news from Slugs, mm-hmm. this repeated use. Of it, this this seems to be a theme effect. between both of our films. Is is so charming. Yeah, yeah, and he can also melt himself down to become one of the least convincingly rotoscoped oil slicks you've ever seen in your life. That allows mm. him to slide under doors and along walls. Oh, undetected. I see. So that's that's like his power. He, he, he can, can melt and then he'll come back as this brute and he has this this ridiculous shout effect this very echoey shout that's the mm-hmm. that's the one noise he can make much like does it cause him pain to transform uh not that he uh expresses although oh, okay. uh the the d changing the the, uh. the reverse uh he what he tends to do is pass out in his living room mm. and then over the course of um uh almost like stop motion again mm-hmm. you you have him there they edit they take some of the shit off him they uh-huh. leave him there they they you know it's like a um it goes off in stages because they didn't have the technology to right. do anything else. <laughs> um so you would think that he's setting off on a um a pretty straightforward path of oily vengeance to get the bad bastard gangsters that muscled in on his uncle's coconut factory mm-hmm. but instead he just goes on these bizarre side quests from shit that he overhears in his law office one of which is just the most it would be extremely offensive if this film were not so 
dumb and daft and brilliant. There's a, a a young woman who is setting guys up on fake rape charges, and then collaborating with the 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 boss of the law firm ah. to fleece um, payouts from young men, and they're profiteering wow. off That's it. That's not very 2023, is it? It is extremely un 2023. Yeah, but it's strange, like when, the way superheroes pick their missions as well. So it's kind of unusual that he's he's just arbitrarily sort of picking these weird ones. Well, he's told like, oh, you can never use this for um, for, you know, in anger. You can only use this uh, to protect the innocent. And so one okay. of the first things he does is he goes and chokes this woman to death in the shower, <laughs> oh, no. which is just horrific. <laughs> well, um, with great and, power comes great responsibility. Yeah. His next mm. one is to go to the office of a corrupt plastic surgeon who has given out the worst boob job in history and just kill everyone that works there oh he kills the girl with the bad boob job too no he hears about the bad boob job in the office she shows us it it's uh it's one thing. it's quite the prosthetic and then uh no he he barges in on the plastic surgery clinic while a woman is having her um hymen surgically reattached so that she can be a more profitable sex worker. This film's from Japan. Have we said this film's... Uh, this film is from Hong Kong. Uh, it's from Hong Kong. Okay. There is a, a level of like bad taste that you have to be okay with to okay. jump on board a film like this. There's no remake in the works here, is there? <laughs> no. So, um, oh, the, so he, has to tra- he has to sink himself into some form of oil to transform. Okay. Much in the same way that Superman has to try and find a phone. Wait, box. he has to ha- have contact with with the gloop itself. He has to sub- any form of oil. As long as he submerges himself in some type of oil, okay, he can then get his powers back. So much is, like does Superman this extend from the coconut oil? Box. Is that the deal? Is, is that got anything to do with that? I believe it's just what the back tattoo said. Oh. I can read it. I don't read Malay. Interesting. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it's a apparently it's a Malay folk tale. Okay, has been made several times. I would imagine never with this much blouse <laughs> <No>. ripping. <laughs> yeah. It's not particularly Halloween-y, but there was just something about seeing something go so far in the realm of just absur- absurdity. Mm. And he becomes basically a um, a slasher villain while okay. also ostensibly being our lead. Mm. Um, obviously, it's a hubristic tale of a man brought low by anger and and jealousy mm. and it doesn't end well this is the one people will talk about when they the, the next day or the, yeah this is the one i've never seen anything like it i thought i'd seen a lot of you know weird little mm. weird little world cinema pockets of, of absurdity this is hands down one of the strangest things i've ever seen i think you get points for the, the foreign diversity because I, I haven't really gone there um but i think you've positioned the pick quite well at 10 as well because you can still even though it's slightly off the beaten track track you know you can you can take it back with your final pick as well so you can exactly it's like yeah. when M- empire was the darkest chapter and you can bring it up with your jedi i was kind of hoping that everyone would just be so kind of like get into a slightly altered state after yeah. watching two films so i feel <laughs> They'll like be ready for this in, they'll be in the headspace to really get into something genuinely mm. strange so that, so that's my that's my 10 p.m absurdity uh, <laughs> where where have you gone uh for this uh this third slot this leads on um i didn't really talk much about the plot of army of darkness but um he he's thrust back into the medieval ages and uh by the end of the theatrical cut he ends up back at Esmart with with that uh, the, the the pretty girl from uh, uh the wedding singer 
who uh, leaves Robbie Hart at the altar. And uh, she, she, oh, okay. Don't wear my Van Halen T-shirt, or you'll break the band up. You know that 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 girl. Yeah. Um, he ends up snogging her and and defeating a, a horror hag in the in the S Mart. And this film feels almost like in a demonic demonic uh, early nineties kind of late eighties way could exist in the same universe and and this is the first time you've got to really put the kids to bed i mean i'm sure they're not watching the oily maniac either but <laughs> and, oh my god i hope not and, anyone squeamish or concerned about nudity or the or the harder stuff you know off to bed betty buys it's post watershed isn't it it is uh yeah we we, we abide by the uh the what, what's the uh the nine o'clock nine o'clock british nine o'clock yeah yeah, we can do anything we like now. Uh, this one is from Kevin Tenney, the director of Witchboard, uh, and it's called Night of the Demons. A full moon. A spooky, deserted mansion. Halloween night. All right, dudes! And it does it. <laughs> Let's party! Ten kids. <laughs> All they want to do is raise a little hell. Now, as long as they live, they'll wonder what's gotten into them. Night of the Demons. Blessed be the sinners, for the day of atonement is at hand. Stop looking at me! A slasher film with no slasher. Um, that's kind of how it's designed. It's a, it's a, another possession film. Uh, it's from 1988. Uh, it was originally called Halloween Party, but it was blocked by uh, the our favorite Mustafa Akkad, who uh, okay. uh, <laughs> threatened a lawsuit because it just had the word Halloween in it, even though it was just called Halloween Party. Uh, he didn't want it <laughs> infringing on his cash cow. And uh, it got switched over last minute. They actually had to change the optical, I think, on the title um, to Night of the Demons. Uh, this one's set on Halloween night, so that helped. Um, I wanted one of mine to actually be a, a Halloween night movie, and there's not yeah. that many. Um, this one, uh, the, the opening shot is is rock and roll blaring from a teenager's car and uh, a, a fat bloke dressed as a pig. And and he shouts Halloween, Happy Halloween, asshole! At, at a pensioner, so that's you know, we're, we're we're in it now. We're in the thick of it, uh, and that sort of 
it paints a picture of what's going to come. Uh, the basic plot is uh, a bunch of kids abandon the traditional uh, prom, end of year prom, high school, I imagine. Uh, in in uh, instead choosing to go to uh, a seance um, held by a, kind of a weirdo girl at school called Angela. And uh, it's at this old deserted mortuary where um, some murders happened in the past. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, all these bozos sort of show up at this um, um, funeral parlor and uh, with their boom boxes and have a bit of a, a party until they all start getting possessed. It does feel like a, a kind of a secondhand Raimi. Okay. And uh, the, the camera work kind of echoes his style very fluid and uh you can imagine the kind of stuff flying down corridors with with very wide lenses um we've got um your usual selection of characters that there is one person that we should discuss because i know you're a fan uh linnea quigley is in this one uh i wanted to discuss her with you because you introduced me to a film again that i've just watched again on rewatched on 4k looked brilliant uh the return of the living dead Ah uh, yes, which uh, you picked for our uh, May of the Dead a few years yeah. ago uh, with the captivating Linnea Quigley and 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 uh, what what's what's her deal? What do you know about her? And uh, I, I know you're probably more of you know more about her than I do, perhaps. Although I do know she did a, a horror workout where yes, she, she was again that was on YouTube, but it got removed. Um, she's like a um, she's a a screen queen, right? Um, she had small roles in stuff like. Um, black christmas not black christmas uh, she was in um uh silent night deadly night right the original yeah she gets um suspended on the uh, antlers she's the one on the on the antlers yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah yeah um and there was such a kind of ecosystem of, of movies like this like the ones we're talking about you know there were higher budget ones that maybe have stood the test of time and then there was a lot of much lower budget schlock and Linnea Quigley was always <laughs> always up for to her credit working she was the hardest working woman in in horror movies there's a bunch of stuff like the Nightmare Sisters which I watched oh. recently which is yeah <laughs> that is a cheap film mm. I see I, I didn't realize how cheap that was I think I think yeah. the trailer for that put me off because I, I just didn't mm. feel like I could I could go there it barely um, qualifies as a feature film right uh, I've got a couple of her her titles mm-hmm. here she's in savage streets uh the the linda okay, blair yeah. one um yeah. i don't know how much i don't remember her. um she has uh, linnea quigley's horror workout where she's sort of doing workouts by the pool with zombies and she's in yeah. lycra and stuff uh, vhs in... boom of the late 80s early 90s she <laughs> knew where her audience was and she milked them right and and also i know her from her talking head segments in the in search of darkness documentaries which helped inform some of my picks because they were largely 80s mm. dealing with 80s horror and yep. uh, a, a, some of my picks popped up there two of them anyway uh she was in assault of the party nerds 2 colon the heavy petting detective <laughs> and uh yeah. she's also in yeah. girls gone dead um so uh you know we usually do meet me halfway on the podcast mm-hmm. sometimes she's uh introduced in this film uh bent over perusing tide detergents uh with a full screen upskirt of her posterior 
uh-huh. which is how she spends the majority of this film and most of the other films she's in, as far as I can tell, flashing anything yeah. and everything. Um, she's, uh, yeah, distracting convenience store employees while uh, Angela, Angela robs booze and, and snacks for the party. So, yeah, great meet me halfway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this one, uh, th- it has effects by Steve Johnson, who was actually her partner for a while. I think they, they even got married for, for a couple of okay. years. He did Ghostbusters, Fright Night, Dead mm. Heat, which you picked for May of the yeah. Day. Yeah. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And uh, yeah, th- th- there's some really interesting Cronenbergian body horror techniques that there's a there's a bit where she actually puts a lipstick inside her her nipple like inside an invisible nipple cavity she's 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 painting her own face and chest with 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 red lipstick and uh i I don't know where the idea came from but it was actually her husband to be who 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 did this strange technique we we mentioned films like society I can't remember what else mm-hmm. we were going to pick. There was another slimy, sludgy one we were going to pick, but um, this this one um, has some has some really interesting uh, rubber kind of un- unashamed kind of um, yeah a practical makeup effects. Can I ask what year we're in here? This is eighty eight. Okay, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a porno sleazy thing uh that this one would would edge upon you know a legitimately disgusting and body okay. horror at times so if there's anything i don't know if that qualifies as um unsettling but maybe this is the disgusting category that we that we talked about at, at times um it's your usual um characters uh, like stereotypical archetype Mm-hmm. Um, is there a ditz? Is that Linnea Quigley? <laughs> she, she, I would say, she's slightly the ditz, and Angela is more this kind of more articulate, uh, otherworldly goth who has this amazing, an amazing sequence where she dances in front of um, a fire, mm. uh, and she's been recently possessed. And there's this amazing scene. There's there's actually a, another gag that's in Beetlejuice too, where do you remember that bit where Gina Davis has like candle fingers? Yes. She sort of blows them yeah. out. A similar thing happens here. So it must have been all all the rage in the late eighties, right. that effect. Uh but that's one of the, the most memorable scenes of the film, Angela's Dance. Um the, the, this one's got um a wrong turns, low lying mist. Pratfalls, candelabras, strategically placed pumpkins. Yeah, um, it, it's got everything. Brewskis, people hiding in coffins. Uh, a lot of the stereotypes and archetypes are, are, are on mm. display. But um, it's a film that I'd heard about and I'd never never seen. So this this was supposed to be my trashy new discovery until I discovered something even trashier and newer <laughs> for my final pick. Yeah. Um, Evil Dead fans will probably love it. Um, they'll they'll instantly recognize the Demon Force POV, homages, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, uh, eye gouges and uh, Cupid doll makeup. And uh, yeah, there's it, it. It feels like one of those films that they've released it on uh, Shout Factory or Scream Factory, and it's had a, a really good uh, update in terms of the physical media. Mm. And it's it's constantly mentioned. I think that the fact that it's set on Halloween night makes it a good go to for a lot of a lot of people. Um, yeah, 
it, it is quite schlocky, campy, um, but I I would argue that that some of it's quite technically proficient as well. It like we've talked about things that don't quite feel like a real movie, and, and this one yes, this one does. Although it's it, it's trashy, um, it, it's quite proficiently made. It sounds like the kind of perfect. I have seen this film and not for a very long time though, so this is definitely mm. going to be like I say. I'm I'm gonna swap shirts. And, well, I would and recommend that's a lovely double. Well, I want to say lovely. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> a it's a double bill that works. The theatrical Army of Darkness into this one would really yeah. gel quite nicely. That would be a, a fun double bill for you if you haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, um, it, it can be difficult to get something that lines up the cliches in a way that is like fully satisfying that you get to enjoy all of that um all of that madness you know yeah um slugs i will say is set on halloween night oh, there is good. the saddest halloween party it's a bunch <laughs> of double denim douchebag teenagers standing mm. around uh, their cars on some grass near a tree and there's like <laughs> one pumpkin balanced on the hood of a car oh <laughs> that's the extent of it well uh my my uh midnight pick oh we've hit midnight um, already it's your it's your turn so uh at midnight uh, to to round out my my sludgy slide towards <laughs> the grave, um, I've picked um, Chuck Russell's The Blob. If it had a mind, you could reason with it. If it had a body, you could shoot it. If it had a heart, you could kill it. Now, man is no longer the supreme being on this planet. The organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. Nobody believes me about what happened tonight. What did happen? You were there, you saw. Plasmic life form that hunts its prey. Predator. I want that organism alive. I think you ticked it off. So it's funny that you mentioned effects wizard Steve Johnson there, and also that you mentioned stuff like society because it feels like this sludgy, slimy four piece mm. was relatively easy to put together. I could have put a whole bunch. I could have only put American movies from the eighties, and I would have had no end of of candidates. And it feels like the thing which mm-hmm. we just discussed uh, uh, one episode back, was such an inflection point for seeing what people could go on to do. Mm. And the, the, um, a lot of the innovations that Robert Team came up with seemed to have trickled down over the years. And by the time you reach the late 80s, what would have been very, very, very expensive on a, on a movie like The Thing, mm. which is a, a full studio feature, yeah, seemed like it was accessible to filmmakers lower down the totem pole this idea of bladder effects and all this stuff where everything's sort of blowing up for no reason yeah. but yeah i forget how early the thing was as well 82 set the bar mm. didn't it for, for the rest 
and I feel like the blob more than anything else um, has so much kind of so many echoes with the thing um, remake. Yep, uh, it's it's one of the eighties remakes of a fifties horror sci fi classic. After the the thing, the fly, and now the blob. Um, the blob is far and away of the three of them. The it was the biggest flop. It was it's I believe the one that's had the least amount of reappraisal. It feels like there's always it's always on the verge of being reclaimed as the great cult classic it always deserved to be. And it just never quite gets over the hump. Mm. I don't know whether it's because uh, the lead is Kevin Dillon, which means people not <laughs> Johnny take it Drama very from Entourage for a yeah. Entourage. I'm slightly ashamed to say I've I've marathoned Entourage <laughs> again this year. I think that's the third time in total. And he's actually very good in it. He's he's yeah. He's, he's quite funny as Johnny Drama. I'm kind of a Kevin Dillon fan. I will say that Kevin Dillon is a is an an excellent lead in this film. As is to be honest, I, I'm going to try not to say too many good things about the blob but it's going to be a, a a struggle because this was always going to be the midnight pick the capper on the whole thing mm. um the blob is a remake as we said of the 1958 uh steve mcqueen starring very tame drive-in classic where a lump of giant red jelly occasionally terrorizes <laughs> a town but mostly involves steve mcqueen standing around talking to hepcat teenagers who are all 29 years old this was the issue with me like this idea of a pink blancmange being you know being violent or or you know what could it you know i like blancmange what could it possibly do to you but yeah i'm so i wasn't completely sold so you you're you're doing well so far so uh the film follows roughly the same structure to start out um it has very witty opening we we open on a completely abandoned town it's a little bit day of the dead you know, this kind of like trashed, empty town, eerie synth notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wonder what's happened here. And the, and the, it becomes more and more and more grim until you end up at this graveyard, this very gray, drizzly graveyard. And then the camera just sort of scoots off to the left. You hear this strange sound. And then you realize that uh, the entire town is at the high school football game. They're all in the Ooh. bleachers and they're all cheering for the, for the team. Um, and we meet a... A good guy, wide receiver uh, named Paul, who is played by Donovan Leach. That name is familiar. Yeah. Not the son actual... Of, uh... <laughs> son of the Sunshine Superman himself. I'm glad it's the son of. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that would be... I'll help you, man. Sorry, that's my, my go-to for Donovan. Hey, there's a glass in the street. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, a cheerleader called Meg, who's played by Shawnee Smith, who's in all them Saw movies I've never seen. Okay. And uh, uh, and that's the kind of horn dog quarterback for the team. Uh, and juxtaposed with this, we meet Johnny Drama on the edge of town, <laughs> leather jacket, luxurious mullet, and he's right. about to jump his uh, motorcycle over a broken down, abandoned bridge. Okay, uh, and, and that's Very our Steve McQueen. Yeah, that's that's establishing our our stakes. There was no motorcycle bad boy in the fifty eight version all the kids were largely good kids they did a little bit of hot rodding but that was about it so this is the wrinkle this is what's going to kind of bring Mm. us up to the modern day although the the idea of there being a bad boy biker who like patrols the edge of town is still a very it's a very late 50s concept it is it's the wild one isn't it it's the the marlon brando yeah um and 
uh, there's there's an old man who sees him fail on his motorcycle jump. This old mm-hmm. guy collecting cans, an old homeless guy, and uh, he's the person who sees the uh, meteorite strike the Earth and goes to investigate it with a stick. Huh, okay, and his hand is seized by this pink gelatinous. This sounds very Ghostbusters too to me. It's it yep, uh, and it seizes his hand. He goes running through the through the woods and and kevin dylan is the only person who's there he's retrieving his bike mm-hmm. and he tries to to help him but he inadvertently chases him into the road and paul and meg are off on their first date their very wholesome first date and they accidentally run over the old guy so uh. all three of them they take the old guy to the to the, the doctor little tiny doctor surgery in town and <laughs> within a very short space of time the doc goes. The doc is played by Jack Nance. Oh, David Lynch uh, regular. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Razorhead uh, fame. Lift, am I, am I yeah, right? uh, he lifts up the shirt, uh, the 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 um, sheet covering the old man. Yeah, and he has been completely eaten away, and it is fucking rank. Really. Um, and Wait, so he doesn't look that... like the Blamange at this point. He's just a devoured person. No, he has just been uh, assimilated, but only from about the middle of the chest down. And oh, he's, wow. the rest of him is a smoking, disgusting crater that has been melted somehow. Wow. And that is when we get our first blob attack. If this doesn't work, if this if this scare doesn't work, then then it's fine. You can switch off the rest of the film. But yeah. my God, if they manage to invest, like it's just methyl cellulose and food coloring is basically yeah. all it is. But it is horrific. That's what concerned me. But I, I've never, never even attempted it. So yeah, I'll definitely try it. So much like the thing, I think that its failure was largely resultant of the fact that it was not holding back. Like mm. Night of the Creeps is entertaining. There's some gross stuff in there. There's some gore. There's some slugs and slime and slop and you know, but everything kind of feels it's all on the right side of 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 cheerful entertainment <laughs> that you can you'll be covering your eyes a little, but you'll be laughing along with it. There are a couple of moments in this film which are fully shocking. Upsetting, yeah. And yeah. the the brutality with which so Chuck Russell co-wrote this with Frank Darabont as well. Uh, right, this is them. the uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street three uh, duo. Yes. Now I know you are a, a big fan of Nightmare three. I love Nightmare three. Yeah, I think that's aside from the original, that's probably where it it peaked for me. Yeah. So you know that um, Chuck Russell does have a, a, a magnificent. We always say that like horror and as we've seen throughout most of our picks of horror and comedy mm. they exist on this little knife edge together we spoke in the right. thing about how funny the thing is at times secret comedy yeah yeah um and it's just it's all timing it's all timing and all like how can i get how can i pull this reaction out of you mm. and there's something about in nightmare three they're very good at these really sharp very brutal deployments of effect it's not the yeah. kind of you know uh, I'm thinking of being pulled into the TV. Welcome pulled to Prime the Time, TV. bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I forget which one's in which, but there's a there's a uh, the girl inside his bed, swimming in his bed, and Freddy comes out oh, of the, yeah, the water yeah, yeah. bed and gets him. There's the guy that I always remember the uh, making the lad into a a puppet, and that, mm, with, it, yeah, with his yeah, veins that's, that's and three. arteries and that's walking three. him around. That's three, yeah. So this is like, these are disgusting. These are gross effects. And they're deployed sometimes. Like, the welcome to primetime bitch is a funny line. Mm. But how fast that 
um uh that dummy gets yeah. yanked into the tv set is is shocking the, the, like, the effects themselves aren't funny it's the there's just a wisecrack to yeah. diffuse it or put a button on it and is do, yeah. do you think that he was concerned about the blamange factor and he felt like he had to go quite far with with some of it to really be shocking rather than be laughed out of the i think like because later on it gives you a lot more leeway much mm. like we said with the thing like if you because the thing opens heavy the 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 sequence with the dogs in the kennel is not funny yeah. it is extremely harsh that's about as bad as it gets i mean it, it you could argue some of the following stuff is has slightly more dark humor to it but the dogs we, we didn't find much to laugh at in the dog sequence did we and I think that's what they pull off here. Mm. It's you have to put that level of like peril in at the start, and also just like I won't spoil who gets blamanged, mm -hmm. but the feeling of the film is nobody is safe. Right. So uh, at any given moment, it's there's this kind of like joyful, really, really bleak mastery of this idea of like the once they've got you on the hook like that the, the mm -hmm. filmmakers it's like you can't look away from any scene because at any given moment right. somebody could and it, either they're going to die in ways that are kind of funny mm -hmm. or they're going to die in a way which is just awful <laughs> and yeah. the um it rides that line better than most films i've seen i i struggle to think of a better um example of of this kind of again in and out 92 93 minutes yeah um but it's not just the it's not just the effects and it's not just the 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 gore and the gloop and stuff that's in it it's um with a with a darabont on on board as well you have these really wonderfully sketched characters very and, and, uh, underpinning intelligence i'd imagine yeah too. absolutely it, you don't feel like the characters are being shortchanged you've got mm. archetypes and they play up to the archetypes but they're all rounded and it's um it, it says a lot with very little and i love a small town setting this is very tremors as well this kind mm. of um uh uh the fact that the small towns all look like a pop-up um stage set as well yeah. that it has it's it's almost like watching a theater and it should feel that should feel like it cheapens it but to yeah. me it just kind of it invests it with its own type of completely coherent sphere of reality right. you just buy into it okay um well there's so one other I, thing that sold me on it and, and uh, erica eleniak of baywatch fame is in it she, too she is. There's uh, Erica Eleniak. You also have uh, um, Jeffrey Demun is the sheriff. Okay. Uh, you have Paul McCrane from oh, Robocop. Oh, yeah, and ER. Me, <laughs> the uh, melting. He's the, <laughs> Paul he's the hard ass deputy. Um, just across oh. the board, like really wonderful performances. Uh, and this little town is just so nicely sketched. And there's a there's a very cool little subplot with a creepy um, creepy local priest as well. Mm. which uh there's there's a lot of little it just feels like it gets so much done yeah. and i i rewatched the original blob around the same time just you know to kind of familiarize myself and that mm. that film bless it is spinning its wheels most of the time it doesn't really have much to fill the runtime and what they've done here is really impressive like yeah. the 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 pacing of the of the shocks the pacing of the character moments and just the the deployment of the whole film it's mm. It is. It needed that ad, the advent of the, the physical effects as well. Probably, mm. the, the, if you eliminate that, you you really are a bit stuck. Even with Steve McQueen. Yes. Yeah. 
um and this one it it was just the right moment you come Mm. in you make this film three four years later they're convincing you to to start using these computers they've got now which that that reminds me of i just watched the mist on netflix uh the 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 advent of cgi ruined the mist i think it such such a uh and, and in the hands of frank darabont too i just think he got talked into it it's hard to do tentacles but i i don't believe for a second you couldn't do practical tentacles and and creature effects in that sense and turning it black and white will help but it's not yeah. gonna it's not gonna do everything for you. It's st- it's still um what's his name from American Pie? The Shermanator getting dragged under <laughs> a, a a door a garage door by you have a, been a targeted. C- yeah, for Shermanation. <laughs> but yeah, it's these. Uh, I think some of my picks too, um, and you, and your first pick certainly um, are creeping in, literally, um, but, but before before you know the the advent of cg and uh, i i love this this era where things were done practically and i think the cool thing about the blob is that i'd only seen it once before this and you you've not seen it and i think that a lot of people it just passes them by it's not it's super available mm. it gets mentioned but it just feels like there's so much out there there's no reason to go in for sometimes you just you know mm-hmm. you have to make a, a snap judgment as to whether you're going to give it your time or not yeah uh so this is my plea i've been <laughs> i've been building up to this um yeah that uh i feel like there's just oh it's in october as well so it counts uh-huh. well it's it's been on my watch list for a long time so i'm i'm extra sold now so uh it just leaves you to take us home i i feel like i should say something about my picks because i i, I sacrificed a coverall sort of diversity for for this kind of theme that I, that I have and I I think I could I could have gone more uh, worldwide world cinema but yeah I'm hopefully they're getting dumber and shorter <laughs> enough to for you to continue with this one like you know when you get a pizza for more than one person you've got different toppings on it uh-huh. I, I hope it works a bit like that that was the idea the other thing that I wanted to say like I wanted mine to feel like one of those like witches rubber witches fingers that you get in a joke shop at <laughs> Halloween, or like the the way that those masks, those cheap rubber masks oh, smell. Oh yeah, I sort of I'm trying to yeah. do a Tarkovsky like sensory, like a witch's cape made of bin bags. There you go, anything like yeah. that. But weirdly, mine like because because we're from the the UK, we I didn't really have pumpkins at the time. I had a turnip. There's a picture of oh, me yeah, as like yeah, yeah. a. I don't know. I think I'm. I think I'm a vampire, and I've got a um, like a turnip with like a can with a candle inside that my mum had nice. you know hollowed out for me. But I can that smell of the turnip with the burning because yeah. it I, when you've got it going all night, it's like uh, it starts mm. to smell really strange. So that that's kind of locked in. So I was trying to use that sensory to try and try and do or like what, when you're walking around a Whitby joke shop and you're picking out um, oh yes you know, yeah, yeah. Like we've all been there on a school trip haven't we mm. getting the, the fake cigarettes that you can puff out talcum powder yeah. pretend you smoke mustard sweets and then you never <laughs> you never fooled anyone with them so you'd end up just like trying one yourself <laughs> yeah just because you didn't waste your money yeah yeah uh, so this is uh, my midnight pick uh, and I thought my last pick was the trashy new discovery but this has out trashed it uh first they undress you then they possess you uh th- this is a uh, fred olin ray's evil tunes 
They came just for the weekend. You clean up the house real good for the new owners. I pick you up Monday morning and you each get a hundred bucks. But this weekend... This house has a long history of mayhem and madness. Just might last a lifetime. Because this house is not a home to live free. Uh, sure. And the place is really coming to life. Something funny's going on there. He's got a taste for the good life. Remember the drawing of the beast? It's gone. And he's on a quest for flesh. Maybe she's in trouble. Every door leads to another dimension. You stop with the freaking beast? This is reality. Every step forward is a step backward. a room with a view. We're figuring that out. There's no telling who will drop in. This place is so spooky. Or who will drop dead. Artie Johnson and the girls. Evil tools. Don't tell me you kids don't enjoy a good cartoon. Evil tools. It's a scream. This is the dumbest and shortest and sleaziest of all of the my, <laughs> my picks today. Um, I just think that people by this point are probably feeling a bit silly. You know, their brains are almost off and. You might even be a bit sick of horror to a degree, so you, you sort of, you know, sort of in a daze by by midnight if you have actually done this whole thing. Um, maybe I've numbed your brain with the with the previous three, but um, I think the stage is set for evil tunes. This is a, a film that angers most people that watch it because of the <laughs> the, the, the promised um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit cool world space jam of it all, and also the the plural title. Uh, there is only one evil tune in no. in this thing, <laughs> which is already a letdown. So I'm not selling it particularly well. But um, and it's also based around the um, he even says on the commentary he says, "Oh, just make it look like the Tasmanian Devil." <laughs> so it's a very lazy approach to it. And I think the the evil tune that we're speaking of is only actually on screen for between a minute and a half to, to two minutes of the whole wow. screen time. So th- this film consists mostly of of um you know hbo showtime scream queens taking their tops off and having fights and and uh, being, right. being possessed and dick miller is back um, hey. yay that guy dick miller um of gremlins and gremlins 2 fame and my favorite uh hey you can't do that buddy you can't do that in here uh the, ter- <laughs> the, the terminator gun shop uh oh, oh yeah scene yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this this might be his finest work. <laughs> it might not be as well. Wow! Um, but he's in it more. It's not just a cameo. It's not just the 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 firefight, the the, uh, the flamethrower bit in in Night of the Creeps. It's not just the gun yeah. shop in Terminator. He's actually got some stuff to do. Um, 
I mean, he is better in the Gremlins films, probably. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, the plot the, the plot of this one is uh, <laughs> Dick Miller turns up in this in this white like like a serial killer van full of these um, pretty girls who are mostly porn stars, like softcore, and in some in two instances, I think hardcore porn stars, okay. and um, and another girl who. Uh, is famous for being in where where, where are we? There's Madison Stone, who's argue, okay. arguably the star. Makes for an interesting Google, but clear your history. Uh, <laughs> she she plays Roxanne, who's kind of like a Kathleen Hanna meets Pamela Adlon meets Shannon Doherty, and uh, whatever she does in this film, her legs end up going flying into the air like a cartoon. <laughs> whether she's opening a wine bottle or doing a striptease <laughs> or you know twerking or doing whatever she's doing um this this one uh, she's the one who actually ends up getting possessed um and as far as sleazy demons go the the uh the tasmanian devil is is, is arguably worse than evil ash and beetlejuice because uh, he he actually commits a a, a rape of sorts uh i'm not sure sexual assaults can ever be you know acceptable in, in these Lord. kinds of things but yeah to to see a, a cartoon do it to to an adult actress is is uh it's it's a they were going for titillating but it 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 plays very peculiar uh there's a monique gabrielle who's also arguably the the protagonist here she's in emmanuel five amazon women on the moon death stalker two silk two and most memorably, probably to the blokes out there, uh, uh, Bachelor Party. Uh, she's she's okay. the girl in the bedroom with Tom Hanks. If you've ever seen that one, you probably remember. Weirdly, her. I'm actually more familiar with Deathstalk. <laughs> <laughs> Revealing says a lot about me. She plays uh, Megan, uh, the preposterously well endowed, um, virginal yet self admiring uh, redhead of the movie. Um, there is also uh, Terry. We have Suzanne Ager, who was in Inner Sanctum, The Bikini Car Wash Company, and Buford's Beach Bunnies. They're three of her big hits. She was actually um, married to or dating the director at the time. Anyway, they show up <laughs> in uh, Dick Miller's van, and the, the premise is that they have to clean uh, this vacant house overnight okay. so they've got all of their cleaning products and by the morning if these, the... these women own a cleaning company <laughs> i think they're supposed to be like high school high school or, or like <laughs> junior college juniors or something okay i don't really know the american equivalents but uh-huh. they don't look like teenagers but uh what one of them one of them looks about 40 if i'm honest but okay that they they're supposed to be playing and he calls them kids, like Dick Miller calls them kids. It's like they're not kids, are they? But anyway, <laughs> that they that they're employed by Dick Miller from his creepy van to go into this <laughs> house and clean it. And if they can emerge the next day, so that the new tenants can either look at it or move in, um, they will be paid a very small amount of money. And there's very little cleaning goes on during the, the course of this of this film. But um, what does happen is uh, uh, David Carradine uh, shows up with it with a very, uh, very peculiar uh, introduction. 
talk about um, Meet Me Halfway. That there's a the, the opening of this film is, is him staring at a, a noose uh, in in the the basement of the of the house. And if we know what happened to uh, <laughs> to, to David in For the uh, many people, it's the only thing they know about David Carradine. Right, days. aside from Kill Bill uh, dying in a in a Thailand cupboard in in fishnets is the the other thing they know about him so to to open this film with him looking at a noose is already peculiar and, and anyway sorry he he turns up and he's got a book it's basically the necronomicon okay uh which again is it ties into the Raimi stuff that we've been we've been looking at all night hopefully uh this one talks and it cries milky tears i have no idea why <laughs> uh so there's incantations there's a there's a demon uh, tasmanian devil from this book that happens to to come to life. Is there any ex- explanation as to why the demon takes the form of a, a cartoon that's barely a shade <laughs> away from being a lawsuit? I think I cracked it. The, the only reason they did that is because they needed something that they could animate easily. And if they did anything too uh, adventurous with with the mm. book, the page has to literally come to life. Um, okay. A lot of lot of uh, sub Roger Rabbit. Is it rotoscoping? You did that episode. What's the what's the name for that stuff? It was rotoscoping. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Just I mean, painting on the, the kind yeah, of yeah. Rotoscoping would just be that you you paint over the top of live action footage, right? Um, so I guess this would yeah, just integration of cell animation onto exactly um, yeah. Onto, and and there's uh, there's uh, very little of it, and and what there is doesn't make much sense. At one point, he, <laughs> he hides behind a chair that she can blatantly see where he would where he would be. Um, they they haven't really thought this this one through. No. Uh, they're, they're selling the sizzle, not the steak. Um, uh-huh. with, with this one, they, they've already got you by the point you realise. Well, where's the tune that we were promised? I've been had. It, yeah, Rex <laughs> Ventura, um, Pet Detective. <laughs> he, he's already got you. And but but the thing is, if if you're complaining about not seeing a tune when there's all these topless women wandering around you've really got to get your priorities right by this point because it's it's kind of it kind of plays it's okay. very it's very sleazy and it's uh it kind of it looks good i got the blu-ray it looks pretty good um we've got uh, this is the director behind hollywood chainsaw hookers uh scream uh-huh. queen hot tub party attack yep. of the 60 foot centerfold bikini frankenstein and mm. harlots of the caribbean colon dead girl's chest and I'm not this too guy. sure how many of these are legit films and how many are, are just merely softcore pornography. But and most of them have bikini in the title. Mm. Um, but yeah, one, once he's got you, he's he he's got you. And uh, this is a hard one to sell because I I'm still not sure why I enjoy this one. Uh, the, uh-huh. it, it it's it's got the clunky charm of a scene from uh, like the video game Night Trap. And it's it's like the the gentler aspects of of the slashes that we've that we've all seen. Uh, the acting is somewhere between Baywatch and Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's really one thing it does have going for it is that it has pre scream uh, genre savvy kind of meta takes on things where they're talking about it's a dark and stormy night and we're four young attractive girls in a big spooky house if we don't go downstairs how will we ever get bumped off without the others knowing about it but so (laughs) they're very conscious of it yeah one one criticism 
of this uh, was that it's not someone trying to make a good movie and failing. It's someone who's conscious of it being schlocky, knowing that he only had 140,000. And I think it was shot in, it's either six, seven or eight days. I'm still not quite sure, but I go for six yeah. probably. And I think <laughs> they, they wrapped Carradine out in, in a day or two because his appearances are preposterous. He's hiding behind a tree uh, and then it sort of cuts to the to another scene for a while and then he's somewhere else behind another tree and the lightning is flashing mm. and everything is really tried to be tied together and it, it's not always successful it, it exists as a, a a naughty sort of nudie romp a brainless cheesecake uh in in a way and uh, it, I, I think it's quite a good wind down because really we've peaked at this point this is not that yours yours perhaps ended with on on a high yeah i was i was escalating yeah my, mine get progressively dumber and uh, this <laughs> this really is the the bottom of the barrel but if your brain's half switched off and you're, you're a little bit altered yeah. at this point i i think there's there's room for it or if you want to go to bed two hours early then you can do that you can do that too i i think that's probably the the key isn't it a lot of it's such a uh such a crapshoot such a hit and miss when mm. it comes to films of this budget of this level fred olin ray you must have made 200 films by this point yeah just cranked these things out it's, it's stuff like you know david dakota as well you've got these guys who uh, we mentioned the nightmare sisters that for me was a real letdown because i hadn't understood just how under the bar for right. adequacy that one had gone and it is the big part of it is like are they having fun Yes. And it makes just such a difference. If if this one has that weird little sort of spark to it of people enjoying themselves. And I think mm. interesting that you said that it's so self-reflexive because I think that's been a through line on a couple of my films, especially Night of the Creeps and The Blob. Yeah. Uh, also Ahead of their time. Very, in that yeah, sense. very aware of what they're doing. Very literate, very cine-literate in terms of the the genres they're doing. Yeah. But unlike maybe a, a lot of films in and around the era that sometimes labor that, they find the, the joy in it and yeah. they're able to um, pull what they want and excise what they don't. They don't feel like they mm. have to tick boxes. It's like, this works, this doesn't, but what they're creating is something kind of solid and coherent and, and um, that can stand alone. It doesn't rely on... Um, you metatextually knowing and bringing expectations from elsewhere. Yeah. It just, it helps if you do. Well, so there's a, there's two marathons for you, dear listener. That's eight films. You don't have to watch all eight, but you can. Or you can mix you and know. match. You can take Dev yeah. six and my eight and, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Make your own double bills. There's some great stuff you can mix and match there. But we hope we've either maybe turned you onto something that you didn't know or maybe encouraged you to check out something that you did know and hadn't really given the time to. I know that I'm going to take a couple of your recommendations and I'm going to go ahead and watch those my Halloween weekend. So I thank you very much for that. Oh, you too. The blob for me. That's where I'm going. All right. Um, well, it just leaves me to uh, say thanks very much um, for indulging again. <laughs> I know the, we, we missed out last year, although you, you had a terrific written blog and we're going to link back to all the previous um Halloween, yeah we should uh marathons we've done in the blog as well so um if you do want to head over to rewindmoviecast.com you're going to be able to find uh our notes for this episode 
as we said, trailers, videos, clips, links to the shop so you can go buy our posters if you want. If mm-hmm. you have completed the marathon, why not display it on your wall? <laughs> why not? And as ever, if you've enjoyed the show, please uh, like and subscribe and all that kind of nonsense. Hit those little notification bells or whatever it is that you people do. I think there's a Spotify <laughs> one that Gally suggested the Spotify recommendation. If you can yes. give us... Yeah, and five five stars is better than one. And if you if you do have uh, your own recommendations for Halloween, yeah. we'd love to hear them, to be honest. We... Me and Matt are kind of uh, voracious on these things, so we need ideas for next year. At this point, exactly, don't we? exactly. And if if you do want to come up with some themes, or if you have other features that you think we would be into based on the stuff we talked about today, just send those across. Um, hmm. You can send them by the website, or you can send them to rewindmoviepodcast at gmail dot com. Well said. Well, it leaves us to just say a very happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, thanks very much for sticking with us, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll do this again next year. Because honestly, this is uh, as we have said, the most wonderful time of the year. Agreed. Um, well, it just leaves for me to say, ripped. It's Devlin in London. <laughs> Are you gross under there? Are you Night of the Living Dead under there, like all bloody veins and pus? It's Matt in South Korea. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on the Rewind Movie Podcast. All but who but me could write this book of cool I send my murdergram to all those monster kids They bring it right back to me and it's signed in their parents' blood And broken bodies in the death rock dance hall Please be my partner Eyeballs pop accelerate blood beat veins of shame And all hell breaks loose Yeah, my heart is breaking loose Yeah, my whole world's breaking loose All oh, evil is as evil does and who All but who but me could write this book of cruel Yeah, my whole world's breaking